Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known. As always, appreciate the worship teams, right? Blessed to have that. Kind of ugly, but all right. Well, it is what it is. There was this uh, priest named Father O'Malley, and he answers the phone and goes like this: "Hello, is this Father O'Malley? It is. This is the IRS. Can you help us? I can. Do you know Ted Houlihan? I do. Is he a member of your congregation? He is." Did he donate $10,000 to your church? He will. (laughs) Let you know sometimes the IRS does call. All right. Well, this morning we're going to continue our study in the book of Proverbs. It's a great, great study. And I've entitled the message, The Good Life. The Good Life. Lord, I do enjoy humor. It's a gift. But now, Lord, we turn towards your word, and it's going to be a serious word this morning. All your words really are serious, Lord. There's no extra. There's no fat. When you speak, it's meaningful. And I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just come upon us even in a more powerful way, just bringing a sobriety to our souls that we would really, really understand the seriousness of your word and when you speak, to take it seriously. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me afresh from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head and that I would speak your words and I would speak them powerfully. And I also ask that you would, Holy Spirit, just unstop our ears and soften our hearts. Allow us to receive so that we can have life. And now just have your way. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. John, can you play the video? The living God. And that is, that is tragic. In fact, a study came out a little over two years ago. And the study was done by the Evangelical Alliance denomination. That would represent what we call the born-again element of the church. Churches like us. And uh, they actually interviewed and surveyed over 1,500 evangelicals, those who made the claim to be born again. And their opening statement 
of their conclusions, of their findings, was quite instructive. They said this, and I quote, Evangelicals struggle to find the time for both reading the Bible and praying each day. Now, that's sad. That is truly tragic, as we're going to see. In fact, I had a professor in seminary, Dr. Howard Hendricks, and he was very fond of saying, everybody is busy. The question is, what are you busy doing? He said, you know, oftentimes when people say to me, Professor Hendricks, I really don't have time to read God's love letters to me. I don't really have time to seek him in prayer and to hear his voice. Hendricks said, I usually say to them, your priorities are showing. The sad truth is the average American Christian spends less than 15 minutes a day reading this, knowing his word, and seeking to hear his voice through prayer. And we wonder why we lack wisdom. We wonder why we make poor decisions. In the book of Proverbs, King Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these words, my son, do not forget my law or my commandments, it could say, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So God is telling us this morning, if we really want to live what I call the good life, two things are absolutely essential. And I want to look at these two essential things and then we will be out of here. But please, please hear what these two essential things are. First, Solomon makes it crystal clear that I need to be a student. You need to be a student of God's laws and God's commands. That's what it says, my son, do not forget my law. So in other words, knowing this book needs to be a priority in your life and it needs to be a priority in my life. Now, the reality is, at least in America, far too many Christians, when they hear the word law or when they hear the word command, they kind of freak out. You know, they get this knee-jerk reaction like Pavlov's dog, you know, hears a bell, begins to salivate. Well, we begin to foam at the mouth, not in a good way, but in a negative way. You see... Too often we view law, we hear commands, and, and, and you know, we, we kind of view that, wow, that's really restrictive. That's the number one reason why I don't have fun in my life. Really, that's kind of how we view it. And uh, just for the record, I just, want you, I just want to put this out to you. God's laws, God's commandments are not restrictive. They are liberating. They are liberating to you, and they are liberating to me. Perhaps this illustration will help you out. Uh, Billy, my watchdog. Skip, can you, or John, can you put up the picture? There's my watch. Don't, don't, don't let the size and the cuteness fool you. She, she can, she's a killer. Don't mess with me. She's a killer. Now, now, according to the dog gods, you know, according to the dog experts, they say that, uh, you know, Billy... Uh, you know, should be eating this kind of food. There it is. How would you like to eat that stuff? No, really, day in, day out, you eat dry food. That's what you have. I mean, that would be pretty exciting, don't you think? 
I don't think it would be that exciting. But according, now listen to this, to the dog experts, if we give this to Billy every day, she's going to get all the protein, all the fat, all the vitamins, all the minerals, and all the fibers little Billy needs to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, maybe not wealthy, but two out of three ain't bad. Now, here's the problem. The problem is little Billy doesn't like that food. And one day, we had a man-to-dog talk. And Billy threatened to call the Animal Humane Society. She said, it's quite abusive, in fact, to be feeding me that junk you call dog food. In fact, she said, why are you so narrow? Why are, are, are you and Susan so intolerant of me having other foods? In fact, if little Billy had it her way, here's what she would have. Right? Chocolate, chocolate. But you see, now listen to me now. Anyone who owns a dog knows that if you give your dog chocolate, they will die. Did you know that? They will absolutely die. Now let me ask you this question. Do you think, John, can you go back to that previous picture of little Billy? Now, Billy, believe it or not, is pretty bright, okay? Keep going to Billy. Now, how many think that little Billy can understand that eating chocolate will kill her? Anybody think that? Just for the record, if you're not sure, she can't. She cannot understand that. But no, but, but understand, all she understands is that eating chocolate is fun. No, no, it tastes good. And she thinks that Susan and I are a bunch of killjoys. And by the way, how often do we view God that way? No, no. How often do we view God that way? I'm going to press this in a little bit. You know, God has given us, by the way, numerous commands. Did you know that? God has given us numerous commands in law. Let me give you a few of them. Do not have sex outside of marriage. Do not have sex outside of marriage. Do not have sex with the same sex. Do not get drunk. Do not drink too much. Do not kill. That includes abortion. Do not lie. Do not talk falsely about someone else. Do work Do help a brother or sister in need. So do respond to Don Wood, okay? I knew you'd appreciate that. Do love your wife. Cherish her. Do respect your husband. Do make God the singular priority of your life. Make him the consuming passion of your life. Now, I could go on, but I think you get the idea. These things that I have mentioned, by the way, are not God's great suggestions. God is not giving you and I advice here. I want you to understand this morning that God designed you. He designed every single person in this room. He's designed every living thing that you see. And you know what? That means that God knows what he's doing. No, no. God knows what he's doing. God knows what is best for you. Those commandments that he gave that I just read and I could have given a whole lot more are not designed to kill your joy. They're designed to set you free and to set me free. You see, the great problem, though, that we have in America is we are arrogant. We think that we know better than God. We think that we know better than the one who made us, the one who designed us. We're kind of like Billy. No, no, we're no different than my dog Billy. And Billy, by the way, left to her own 
herself, you know what she will do? She will eat chocolate. She will kill herself. And so many people right now, please hear this, are in the process of destroying themselves emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and physically because they are going contrary to the design of God for their life. They're going contrary to the commandments. They're going contrary to God's law. And it's such a threat. No, you don't know how it rips my heart out to just see people, families being destroyed because they choose to violate these laws and commands that could liberate them. You know, very fond, I used to be very fond of, you know, trying to help my college students understand the importance of God's laws. You know, they tended to see God's laws, God's commands as restrictive. You know, they they really thought, wow, God's commands, God's laws, they're for old fuddy-duddies and whatnot. And a lot of us think that. You know what college students love? You know what their number one value is? Freedom. Someone got it right. Freedom. I mean, they tout, wow, I want to be free. So you know what I would say to them? I said, look, you are perfect. I'd be over at the military place, and I'd say, you're perfectly free to jump out that 10-story window. And guess what? You can even flap your arms while you're out there. Just as free as you want. But let me tell you something. Once you are outside that window, the law of gravity takes effect. And it doesn't matter whether you like the law of gravity, whether you understand the law of gravity, whether you think the law of gravity is fair. Guess what? The law of gravity is going to take effect as you're outside that 10-story window. And trust me, the result is not going to be very good. The result simply is not going to be very good. And I am fond of telling people, you are perfectly free to ignore God's laws. You are perfectly free. You are perfectly free to think that God's laws and his commands are just for old fuddy-duddies. You are perfectly free to think that God's laws and God's commandments are unfair. But let me tell you this. Once you act, once you do a behavior, guess what? God's laws, God's commands, they take effect. And they're either going to positively or negatively affect your life. No matter what you think, no matter whether you like it or not, and and I battle people all day long, whether you think it's fair. Guess what? Once you and I act, God's laws, his moral laws do take effect. And they're either going to positively impact you and your family and the people around you or negatively impact you and your family, and people around you. All right. Now, secondly, Solomon tells us that if we want to live the good life, John, can you put up the next, for our, again, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. He says this. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. So what, what Solomon is saying here and what God is saying, if I really want to ex, you know, just experience a good life, not only do I need to be a student of God's laws, a student of God's commands, but I need to be obedient. I need to be obedient. Now, whoa, you know, it, it's so quiet right now. I could go to sleep, it's so quiet. But you know what? You know, this is one of the great heresies. I want, to, I, I, I want you to know I stand against much of the American church. I stand against it. Because we say that obedience is optional. No, we say that obedience is 
optional. Well, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, but you know what? I'll decide whether he's going to be Lord. Oh, and let me tell you, I've talked to thousands of people this past year. Hundreds, thousands. I got Jesus as my Savior, but I, I haven't decided yet whether he's going to be my Lord. Oh, oh, I'll tell you what. Wrong Oh. Let me tell you something. Jesus is Lord. And if you're wondering about that, just read Revelation and chapter 1. You know, uh, so often, you know, I just want people to understand. Proverbs is clear. The Bible is clear. God demands obedience. God demands obedience. In fact, obedience, by the way, is based upon, we saw this several weeks ago, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. Skip, can you put that up? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fear. How often have you heard anybody talk about, you need to fear God? You need to fear God. By the way, if you don't fear God, you will not be obedient. So many, you know, often you hear up in the pulpits, people preaching, people teaching, they go, Jesus is your friend. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is your buddy. Jesus is my homeboy, right? He's my homeboy. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, look, if you're, if you're going to view him like that, do you really honestly think that you are going to be obedient to him? You know, seriously. And because we don't take him seriously, because he's our friend and he's our homeboy, we have optional obedience And you know what happens when you have optional obedience? You make bad decisions. And bad decisions just lead to all kinds of problems in your life. You know, let me see if I can illustrate it this way. There was this pastor and his wife. They'll they'll remain nameless. And they uh, kind of flew in. They flew into an airport. And as soon as they got into the airport, they went into this car rental place, you know, to rent a car. And the guy at the counter, you know, he said to the pastor, you know, along with this car, you can get a GPS. Do you know what a GPS is? And, and the pastor said, you know, kind of sarcastically, yes, you plug it in. You put in your destination. A woman's voice then will tell you how to get to where you want to go. And uh, the guy said at the counter, very good, very good. You're right. Would you like to have one of those? And the pastor, you know, being a man and being somewhat cheap, he said, no, no, I, I, I don't think I need one. I can get to where I am going. Now, at this point, the wife speaks up. She had said nothing yet, but she finally speaks. And she says, get the GPS. And the pastor said, I'll be getting that GPS. Now, my point here is this. Now, listen to this. You get the box. You put the box in the car. You have the lady. The lady's giving you directions. But does that mean that you fear her voice? See, if you fear her voice, what are you going to do? You're going to do what she says to do. You're going to follow her directions. When she says, take a left, you take a left. Now, this pastor thought, He knew better than the lady. And at one point, the lady said, take a left. And the pastor said, no, no, I know that's just not right. I should be taking a right and not a left. And Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right unto man. But in the end, it leads to death. And so you know what this pastor did? Well, I'll tell you what this pastor did. But let me say this. When Jesus Christ says that you 
and I are to be a follower of him. What he means by that is he says, I want you to be obedient. If you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he's saying, then I want you to be obedient. And by the way, you can be obedient. Did you know that? Every single one, if if you claim to be born again, then you have the spirit of God in you. I have the spirit of God in me, and I can be obedient. You can be obedient. You know, far too many people say to me, you know, Pastor, I'm under grace right now. Really? I'm under grace right now. And what that means is, is that obedience is kind of an optional thing. Here's the truth. Let me just be perfectly honest with you. Please hear me. On this, If it is not your settled intent, the moment you, when you wake up in the morning, and it is not your settled intent to be totally obedient to Jesus Christ, then whatever you call yourself, whatever you think about yourself, one thing is certain, you are not a follower of Jesus. You might be an admirer of Jesus. You might even think Jesus is really cool. You might even agree with some of Jesus' teachings, but that's not what Jesus is asking for. He's asking, he's looking for followers. He's looking for people that say, here I am, Jesus. Here I am, your Lord. I'm not. And I'm going to, this day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be obedient to you. Despite what the world is saying, I'm going to go against this world and its philosophy and all of its illusional glitter, and I'm turning around and I'm going to follow you. That's what Jesus is looking for. That's what he's looking for. Now, here's kind of an interesting postscript to the story. You know, this pastor was so convinced that he was right and the lady was wrong. You know what he did? He pulled the plug. He pulled the plug and guess what happened? He got lost. And then you know what his wife said? I married a blockhead. Now here's the really cool thing. You know what the pastor did after that? You have to give the guy credit. You know what he did? He plugged the GPS back in. And do you think the lady said to him, I told you so, you little idiot. Now do you think I'm really going to help you? Anybody think that happened? No. She said those famous words. You know what those famous words are? Re- you guys, we got a bunch of idiots in here. You've all done it. Recalculating, recalculating, and when it is safe, make a U-turn. No, isn't it great? When it's safe, make a U-turn. That's beautiful. That's repentance. No, no, that's repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is saying, God, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do things your way. And you know what happens when you do that? It's beautiful. And this is the challenge. Skip, can you put it up? John, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Now watch this. If, if, do you see that? If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Wow. You know, this is the challenge. So, if, if, now listen now, 
if I make God's commands, I become a student of God's commands and God's laws, and I seek to be obedient to them through the power of the Holy Spirit, these things will follow. Now, people don't make a, make a mistake. These are not promises. Proverbs is not a promise book. It's a probability book. Proverbs is it's a mistake. It's a probability book, not a promise. We live in a fallen world. There's persecution. It doesn't always happen. Generally, it will happen. In other words, if you follow God's commands, you know God's commands, you live out God's commands, these two things are going to follow. Let's look at them very quickly. If you do this, you will live many years. In other words, you'll have a long life. You know, it's kind of like my insurance. My, my, my health insurance kind of works like this. I have Christian. It's really not health insurance. It's kind of a, uh, a co-op kind of deal. And you, a bunch of, about two, two million, I think, two million Christians pump money into this thing. And you, and you just help pay each other's bills and whatnot. But before you can get this Christian insurance, it's a lot cheaper, by the way. Much, much cheaper. They ask you some questions. They ask you questions like, do you drink? Do you smoke? Do you go with girls that do? No, they didn't ask that question. But, but they ask a whole battery of questions. You know, you know why they're asking them? They want to see if you live sanely, if you're a person of wisdom. And if you are, and you can get someone to vouch for you, lie for you. No, I didn't mean that. Vouch for you. They give you the insurance. Why? That was a question. Why? They'll give it to you because, see, the reason why their insurance can be twice as low as anybody else's is because they assume that you're going to live a healthy life. You'll probably not go to the hospitals. You'll probably not go to the doctors. And it's a beautiful thing. So I pay a lot less for insurance as a result. And see, this is what God is saying. He's saying, when you do it, no, it's so beautiful. He just goes, when you do it my way, when you follow what I'm saying here, and you make a commitment to be obedient through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a longer life. Any grandmothers here? Anyone want to see their grandkids? See, I, I hear that all the time. I, I, I want to live longer. Well, you know, a lot of that is in your court. Have you, have you ever thought about that? A lot of that is in your court, in my court. Now, I don't think, by the way, just living a long life is peachy. Always, if you don't have quality of life. Is it great if you don't have quality of life? See, so this is the second problem. So the first thing is if I really do things God ways, I'm obedient to his commandments. I know his commandments. I make it a priority in those commandments, and I'm obedient. Not only will I live a long life probably, but it says that my life will be satisfying. The Hebrew is kind of actually interesting here. It talks about an external and an internal satisfaction. Do you know what God promises you basically? He says that if you do things my way, if you really follow my commands and my instructions, I'll make sure that your needs are met. I didn't say greed now. He, see, so many of us worry. You know, if you, if you read the financial pages, you should be in fear. A lot of fear. Anyone's going to tell you at any day, you're just going to read, boom, the market's going to crash. There's bubbles everywhere. I can't tell you when, but it's going to happen. Count on it. But I don't live in fear. Because, see, when I do things God's way, you know, you have a tremendous faith and conviction. God said, Frank, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your wife. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing. 
to just have that kind of faith and that kind of. But he not only talks about an external provision, he talks about an internal provision. It's, it's interesting. In fact, depending on your translation, verse two actually reads, "I'll give you peace. I'll give you peace. I'll give you shalom." On the inside. Do you know how many people in America do not have shalom? And I don't expect the world to have shalom. But we have people who are on all kinds of narcotics, who are drinking, who are just drugging themselves into stupefaction because they don't have peace in here. And I'm talking about wealthy people. I grew up with wealthy people. And you know what one thing wealthy people don't have? They don't have peace. You know any amount of wealthy people, and it's so sad. Because they live in such fear that they're going to lose it all. It's a horrible way to live your life. You don't have to live in fear this morning. You don't. God doesn't want, did you know that? God doesn't want you to live in fear. He doesn't want me living in fear. What we live in, I'll tell you why we live in fear. Because we know that we're really not knowing his commandments. We're not being obedient to his commandments. And that creates fear. We can't live in faith then. Instead, we live in fear. I'm going to challenge you this morning. You want the good life? God wants you, really. He really does want you and I to live victoriously. But it can only be done his way. Be honest with yourself. How much time do you really spend knowing his commandments, his liberating commandments? How much time in laws? And really, how do you treat them? Is it kind of a nice suggestion? Is it just good advice? Or do you really treat it as the creator of the universe speaking directly to you? Life and death hangs in the balance depending on what you do and what I do. Lord, I just... I pray for us. Lord, I just ask Holy Spirit that you would move right now. I ask that you would just move I can't bring conviction. I can't bring conviction of the truth of what was just spoken. Conviction's a beautiful thing if it leads to true repentance, heartfelt repentance, where we turn around. We not only say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for thinking I know better than you. Forgive me for thinking that I know what's best. And this day forward, I begin to trust you now. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give each one of us a heart, a heart for you, a desire for you that would supersede every other desire, a heart to know you, to know your word, to know your life-giving commands, and that you would give us a heart like King David, a heart of obedience, a heart that wants to obey you so that we can truly live and live victoriously. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen.